Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Megan, and we've been gone a couple weeks because we've been living out this sermon series of Life on the Water. We got to go uh, back to Tennessee and be on the water for a while, which made it a real big shock when we came back here and Reed tried to, my little two-year-old tried to run straight into the water. And um, it turns out it's a little colder here, you know, than it is in Tennessee. No big deal. How many of you guys love that we live on the water this week? How many saw fireworks over the water? Woohoo! How many people jumped in the water on the 4th of July? Anybody? Yeah! I knew that there would be some crazy people in this, in this service particularly. Uh, how many of you guys are willing to admit that you, you looked at Redfin to see if you could buy a house on the water so you could be on the water next year? Anybody? Yeah. I'll join you on the water next year, Orlando. Okay. Um, we are uh, looking at the stories of Jesus doing life on the water. What is so cool for us as people of this peninsula is that we get to see that Jesus spent a lot of his life in waterfront towns, a lot like ours. So we have a lot to relate to when it comes to learning about who Jesus is when he spent time on the water. We have a great story that we're going to be looking at today about Jesus' disciples um, on the water in the middle of a storm and what they talk to God about when they're afraid on the water. I titled this message, Does God Care? Does God Care? It's a question that I'm taking straight out of our text in Mark 4. And I think it is incredibly relevant to our world today where people ask whether they know God or not. Does God care about my family? Does God care about the political situations in the world today? Does God care about certain people groups? Does God care that I don't have a job or that I'm lonely Does God care is a question that matters to us. And so I'm really hopeful that as we look at this this particular story, where this particular question gets asked, that there's a little bit more rest for our soul in the person of Jesus today. I want to ask the kids to help me get uh, started in this story. So if you're a kid and you're willing to interact with me, I'm a pretty cool person. I'm just saying. Could you, would you mind coming down with me right here on these stairs right here? Any kids in the room who, who want to come hang out with me? We're just going to walk through a story. It's going to be fun, I promise. Come on down. Thank you. Yes, that's my girl. I knew Noelle would come down. Here, come on, come on and hang out with me on the stairs, okay? So that I can see you and everybody else can too, okay? I'm going to sit on the ground in front of you. Come on down. Awesome. Thank you, balcony dwellers, for living on the floor in this month so that I can do that and have all these kids come forward. I love it. Okay. Guys, who likes fireworks? Okay, I want you to show me on your face how you feel about fireworks when they go, boom! What do you do? Are you scared? Anybody scared? Anybody cover their ears? No, everybody's cool with fireworks. Okay, well, maybe you could just do this for me. Give me a great face of what it looks like when you're afraid. What does it look like? Oh, that's good, a home alone look. I like that. Okay, okay. What kind of things make you feel like that? What kind of things make you feel afraid? When you're about to, like, jump off of the tree. Yeah, that's pretty scary. That's pretty good. When you look down, it's like, yeah, that's, start to narrow, and you're like... Yeah, that's a really great face for that. What else you got? Yep, that's pretty scary. Devil coming behind you. What else you got, Noelle? Yeah, jumping off a big trampoline with no net into the water. I will be talking to you later, Rachel. Yes. 
when you're scared and you're talking in front of people, maybe. It makes me kind of scared and makes me kind of scared. There's a lot of jumping things here. How many of the rest of you are afraid of jumping off of something? Okay, now I want you to give me a great face of what it looks like when you're already in the water and everything's safe if you are jumping. Or any time that you feel nice and calm and relaxed. Can you give me a really good calm look? Nice, mellow, chilled back. Yeah, you guys are good at this one. Okay, cool. So this is what happened. Jesus was in um, a boat with his disciples in the middle of a great storm. Can you say great storm with me? Great storm. Okay, great. I'm going to need a lot of storm sounds. So can you guys make some storm sounds? And I need need all of y'all to make some good storm sounds for me too. Make it sound like a storm up in here. Maybe do a little clapping. A little. Okay. Good job. Okay, so Jesus' disciples were in that great storm and they were afraid. So they went to Jesus. Guess where he is? He's sleeping through the storm. So they go and they wake him up and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we are perishing? And Jesus wakes up and do you think Jesus gives them a big hug and says, it's okay, we'll get through the storm together? Seems like something Jesus might do, right? No, Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves and he says, silence, be still. And guess what happened? Everything went still and there was a great calm. Can you say great calm? Great calm. And give me that good mellow look again. Mm, yeah, that feels good. Okay. And then Jesus says to his disciples, he says, why were you so afraid? Don't, do you still have no faith? And then what happened? This is really weird. How do you think the disciples reacted to Jesus? Do you think they were super happy that it was calm? Do you think they clapped and had a big party? No. No? It says the disciples were filled with great fear. Can you say great fear? Great fear. That sounds weird, but imagine, have you guys been at school when you wanted to go out to recess and there was a really lot, a lot of rain? Do you guys remember, have you ever, has that ever happened? And you don't get to go outside? Yeah. What happens if your teacher went outside and said to the rain, silent, be still, and it stopped raining? What would you think of your teacher? Yeah, like all of your faces. That's exactly how I'd feel. Whoa, and that's how the disciples felt when they saw Jesus still the wind and the waves. They said, who is this? This isn't just our teacher. This guy must be God. And it was pretty cool. I'm really hoping the disciples didn't know what to do with Jesus. But I hope that today you know that you can trust him. That he'll get you through everything that you're afraid of. And he'll bring you great calm. Can I pray with you? Okay, pray with me. Dear Jesus... Thank you for showing us what power you have over everything that is scary to us. Would you bring great calm into the lives of each of these kids? Would they they know that they can trust you and that you are God? Would you teach all of us that today? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. You are so awesome. Okay, head on back to your parents. And I hope you can listen to those greats, okay? Thank you. Thank you, guys. I heard one little kid say, I'm so embarrassed. Sometimes I feel like that up here too. It's all right. It's all right. There's a really natural outline in our story today that follows those three greats. So as we listen to the story of Jesus, I want you to pay attention to those, those greats. One of the things that my parents always did for me, I sat through two services every Sunday of my life in a Lutheran church. 
they taught me how to find the passage of Scripture. And sometimes I would just sit there and copy out the Scripture during the sermon. So I hope that you can start with your kids, showing them where we are reading. You can pull out the Bibles. There's a, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you, parents. And you can turn to page 839. It's not even a Bible drill. I'll tell you where it is. Page 839. We're in Mark chapter 4, and we're beginning with verse 35. And listen to these three greats. Hear the word of the Lord. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to his friends, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with them. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace or silence, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Okay, you've heard it a couple times now. Tell me what the three greats are. Okay, I heard a calm. Storm, thank you. And fear. Okay, good. My hope is that even if something distracts you, no big deal. I have a two-year-old, know what that's like. You can pop back up here and see where we are, okay? We're talking about this great storm. The story sets up. Um, Jesus introduces our story with a great storm. This description of the storm is like hurricane-level storm. It's on the Sea of Galilee, which I have never been to. Um, but apparently, this, the sea can just suddenly erupt into a big storm. So I'm going to guess that it's kind of like being at Lake Wenatchee. Anybody been at Lake Wenatchee near Leavenworth? And uh, we went about a month ago, and the first day that we were there, it was so calm, and we were playing in the water. You could hear the canoe guy from way across the water because it was so calm. And then we went back the very next day thinking, oh, we're going to spend the whole week here. But the wind was so intense. Have you guys experienced this? That not only could we not be by the water, but Larry was like hiding behind one of the playground posts, like just trying to get a break from the wind while Reed played on the slide. It was so crazy. It just came up out of nowhere. So I'm sure it's not anything like that, but that's the best thing I've got in my mind. Because the, the geography of Lake Wenatchee is there's these mountains on either side of the lake that create a tunnel where all the this wind comes in. And it's kind of like that in the Sea of Galilee, where it's in this valley, and these storms can just overwhelm the sea. Here's the deal. Jesus called 12 people to follow him really closely in his ministry. And most of them were fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. So they knew this place. They'd been through storms. They knew what it was like to navigate a storm. But on this particular night, it was a really unique storm. And we know that because the disciples got to the point where they were afraid and they felt helpless. And I love how, I love how Mark, uh, so the gospel of Mark is the eyewitness account of Peter, which is going to come into play later. So I'll just tell you that now. And I love that when we get eyewitness accounts, we get serious details. Like Peter just wants you to know, hey, I was working through the storm. Jesus was asleep on the boat cushion. 
in the stern of the boat, right? Very clear about where Jesus was. And that's the setup for our story. Now, we would not have a story if the next thing didn't happen. The next thing is that they wake up Jesus. That's actually the start of our story. But if they had decided that in their own competence, they were going to try to make it to the other side, either the boat would wreck and we wouldn't have a story, or they would have simply gotten to the other side and there would be no story. The whole of our story begins because the disciples woke up Jesus and realized that they were helpless, that Jesus could do something that they couldn't do. Peter, right, I told you he's the one who, um, who this is his eyewitness account. He's not afraid to tell you where he went wrong, where he was overbold or um, asked a dumb question. And he remembers waking up Jesus and asking him, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? Such a relevant question for us today. I think um, when, if you guys follow social media, you'll see after like every natural disaster or a major act of violence, you'll see this hashtag, less praying, more doing. Do you guys notice that one? What you see in that is, I think, two things. You see both the fact that, A, people don't think that praying is doing anything. And I also think that it shows that even if, and it's a big if in our culture, if people believe that God exists and that talking to him matters, he's just asleep in the stern. So get back to rowing and do something because God is not awake to get me through this storm. So I think our disciples are really in line with our culture in asking Jesus, do you care that we are perishing? There's a slightly different tone though to them asking that I want to bring out, which is that you'd only ask Jesus that question if you thought he could do something about it. Does that make sense? You wouldn't wake up a carpenter and a theology teacher to help you get through a storm, parentheses, don't ask me for boat advice, I don't know anything, unless you thought that Jesus could do something about this storm. And so the first step, I just love this, I think that the story shows us that the first step of discipleship is realizing that you've come to the end of your own abilities. That you're helpless and that Jesus can do something about whatever you're going through. Even if you're, I love that, I just love that because this is so Peter. Even if you're frustrated because it seems like God is asleep on the job and he's asleep, we still have permission as believers in Jesus, just early people walking in our faith, to say to Jesus, I think you should be able to do something about this. Do you care about me? Do you care that I am perishing? Only Jesus has the power to save you. And Peter knew that only Jesus had the power to get them through this storm. I know that that insults a lot of our Western sensibilities. We think that we can just try harder. We can get a new skill. I can help myself. I don't need to pray to God. I know this because um, I have trouble asking for help, which I think surprises none of you probably in this room. And it's a really delightful trait that I've passed on to my two-year-old. It's so fun when this, when this comes out. So the last two weeks, I've noticed that Reed has a new phrase that he says, and it goes... 
I can't, I can't. And it comes with like a total meltdown and a, and a breakdown. And um, the latest was when his, uh, the little bitty stop sign fell off of his Miss Fritter school bus. And he cars three fans in the house. It's Reed's favorite toy. And the little stop sign fell off. And we got this, I can't, I can't, life is over. Total meltdown. Which I give him total permission to have because honestly, I'm just jealous. Because how many of us wish we could act like a two-year-old on the outside when we feel like that in the inside? Nate is with me. How many times, I mean, just this week, the garden hose, like, you know, you think you've got it on, you put it on full power, press, you know, press the trigger, and it just totally blew up in my face. And it was just like kind of one of those last moments where I just wanted to throw it down and go, I can't, I can't, totally done with this. But I'm a grown human being, so I didn't. But I wanted to. We've got to get to this point where we can admit like a two-year-old, I can't, I can't. And we, we really can't go any further in this story unless you're relating on some level to these things that Jesus is addressing. Does, it, does this question matter to you? Does it matter to you if you know whether or not God cares? Okay, we got some, good, we got some in the house. Does it matter to you that God cares? Or secondly, are you willing to admit that you're at a point in your life where there's something about your life that you are helpless to fix on your own? If you're with me, then we got a, we got a load of a story for you. There's two things I want you to walk away with in this story. And the first is that Jesus has the power to save you once and for all. Jesus has the power to save you from perishing once and for all. This, this story that we have in the Bible, this was not first intended as a metaphor for the great storms of our life. This is a real story about a real great storm where people were really perishing and where, um, where a man stood up in a boat and used his words to speak to real wind and waves and to say, silence, be still, and everything went calm. And in that moment, that man displayed for his disciples, the boats around him, and for all of us, that he has the power and the authority of the creator God. That the creator has come to earth in the flesh and the person of Jesus, and his creative authority was made known that night on the Sea of Galilee, that he has the power to save us from perishing, and he is the only one. I'm talking real life and real death here. I'm talking about eternity and him saving us from death for an eternal life, and that that ability of Jesus to do that, his position as Savior remains unchallenged. He is still the one to save us from death forever. And so the question for you is, do you fundamentally believe that you are perishing and that there is an eternal life out there that you cannot attain on your own? That you are perishing and need a savior because the answer to Jesus' salvation, to your salvation then and now is the same. Jesus has the power to save you from perishing And even if the kids get squirmy and that's all you hear, I want you to know for all time, there is a once and for all story of people who are perishing and of Jesus coming to save them. And he has come to save us once and for all. That's the first message of this story. The second message of this story is that Jesus 
wants to save us from all the everyday storms of our lives. God's power to save is not only once and for all, which hallelujah, but his power to save also extends to the fact that he does care about the individual storms in your life. When the disciples decide to wake up Jesus in the middle of this great storm, they ask him the question, do you care, or do you not care, really, do you not care that we are perishing, is what they asked. But how would you fill in that blank? Jesus, do you not care that I am lonely, sick, tired, hurting, abandoned. Jesus, do you not care? I want you to track with me for a second here. I I realized in studying this passage that Jesus cares more about bringing calm to my internal fears than he does to my external circumstances. Jesus cares more about bringing calm to my internal fears than to my external circumstances. When I first approached studying this text, the disciples are asking the question, right? Do you not care that we are perishing? I thought the answer to that was in the text, the way I'd memorized this, which is Jesus saying to the water, peace, be still. Which for me, the picture of peace, peace is a great word. Peace is the picture of the presence of Jesus. Peace is not a gift Jesus gives. Jesus is peace. The peace of Jesus coming and surrounding me in the middle of the storm. It would be as if Jesus was inviting me to curl up on the cushion with him in the stern of the boat and saying, baby, I got you. We're just going to get through this storm. That's the message I thought I was going to preach. That when you go through the great storms of your life, invite the peace of Jesus to be with you and you will get through the great storm. It's not an untrue message, by the way. I preached this in Daniel chapter 3 when uh, three of Jesus' disciples, if you will, are thrown into a fire and Jesus shows up and walks around with them in the middle of the fire and they are freed in the midst of the fire. The peace of Christ has come to them in the fire. It's a true message. But there's a, there's a very powerful message that the Lord has taught me in this story particularly that takes it a little step further for me. So I thought the, I thought the word was peace. In the original language, another way of seeing that word peace is actually the word silence. Silence. The second word is be muzzled. There's an active command to silence, and then Jesus commands a change in situation where you are talking, but now you are muzzled. There's an active and a passive command that Jesus gives to the wind and the waves. And here's the message Does God care that you are perishing? Yes, He does. So when He wakes up, He doesn't huddle you in the corner of the boat. He stands up and he speaks to that which is causing you fear. And he says, silence, you don't get to speak. Silence, you don't get to speak. It's the same word, it's the same language when um, the angel speaks to Zechariah and he doesn't believe God. And God says, you don't don't get to speak for nine months until you see the power of God. You don't get to speak. And Jesus speaks that to everything that is causing us fear. 
And here's the thing. Jesus has given us his authority. He gave us his spirit. He said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go. Do everything that I've taught you. He taught them to speak to the enemy, the voice of fear. Silence, you don't get to speak. When the disciples were in the boat, they said, when he woke them, when they woke Jesus up, they thought that they were perishing. Were they really perishing? What was really happening was the boat was filling up with water, right? But who convinced them that they were perishing? Satan did. That was the voice of fear. It was, it's the voice of fear that convinces us, takes our circumstances and fills them with fear and makes us convinced that we are being destroyed. It's the voice of fear that says, you don't have enough money today, you're never going to have enough money. It's the voice of fear that says, that group of people doesn't like you, nobody's ever going to like you. That is not God's voice. That is the voice of fear. It's an ancient voice. Anybody willing to admit that you know this voice? I know this voice. It is, he's so uncreative. On the very first pages of scripture, it might be the second page if you use a large print Bible. But right there from the beginning, the enemy is there convincing you to disbelieve the goodness of God and his abundance toward you and the power of life and death. He's been working that since the beginning. So God's primary desire for you in those storms is to know that he can bring great calm to the voice of fear in your life. How do I know that? Well, because when Jesus speaks to the wind, silence, you don't get to speak. Y'all need to practice that. Can I just hear that from y'all? Can I hear silence, you don't get to speak on the count of three? One, two, three. Silence. You don't get to speak. Yeah, you carry that authority around, okay? You do. You carry that authority. He says silence. That brings a great calm. And then he turns to his disciples and he says, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Church, why are you so afraid? Jesus was with them in the boat. I'm right here. I always have been. Why are you so afraid? And then he says, do you still have no faith? My friends who've been seeing my miracles, who've heard my teaching, who've been walking with me for years, do you still have no faith? The, the voice of faith is the voice of the Holy Spirit that speaks truth to you. The voice of faith is the one who says in the middle of the storm, oh, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I've not given you a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. I've given you the spirit of adoption as sons by which you can cry out to me, Daddy, Abba, Father. The voice of faith says, oh, come to me. You who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and I will give you rest for your souls. The voice of faith says, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. Oh, my friends, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? 
My friend Julie Krillich came and shared with us at the 9 o'clock service. I was thinking through who, who in my life has, have I known to undergo this radical transformation from fear to faith. And I have watched God silence fear in her life. The journey started, I remember so distinctly. She was my running buddy for a couple years. We were running by the Edinburgh Boat Park, right, where those baptisms were. And she was telling me about um, watching the opening lecture from Priscilla Shire in the Armor of God series on spiritual formation. And we're running, and she's telling me she's listened to this. And then she gives me side eye. And she's like, so do you really believe that? Like Satan and all that? Like doing enem- like battle in the spiritual world. Is that really true? And I said, you just hold tight. <laughs> you keep studying and see what, see what comes up for you. I knew this was really new for her. And I know it's kind of weird. And so she, was, so she began, she started praying. And she, she became really sure of the promises of God in his word. And then I watched her pray over me in our season of infertility and the way that she was casting out fear around me and the way she was listening to God. And then she moved to California um, in the fall of 20, or in, in 2017. She moved. And for uh, many of you, you know that 2017 was a bad year for California. Uh, she was in the middle of the Santa Rosa fires. And uh, she evacuated twice. The first time was absolutely insane. The second time they were a little more prepared. They knew it was coming. But I got to see her in Oakland the day that they evacuated. And, y'all, she was so calm. It was amazing. She and her family were so calm. It was funny. In first service, she said, I'm glad that you remember it that way. I just remember being hot and sweaty and not brushing my teeth. But whatever. But I remember her being full of great calm, even to the point of, like, we rode around in the little kitty train, like, in this little park with Reed. And all of their family was full of joy. That is supernatural. That's not normal to respond to your house potentially burning down that day with great calm. But it's the transformative power of the Holy Spirit, of the voice of faith, which is so much more powerful than the voice of fear. It's interesting to me, when the disciples experienced the great calm, their response was not very calm Scriptures say that they were full of great fear. It says that they were full of fear, great fear. Just to like reiterate just how afraid they were. And I thought that that was really strange. Like why would the disciples be full of great fear? Like shouldn't they be glad the storm's over? And then I thought about it for a second. And I thought, hmm, if I were in a little boat in the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night. And I'd been fighting against the storm. And then my friend who is my theology teacher at this point, stands up in the boat and says to the wind and the waves, silence, you don't get to speak. And then everything goes quiet. I might be a little scared, might be a little terrified because I'm now asking the question, what was that? Who is this? What is that power? I've never seen that before. And that's their response too. They ask, who is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. Who is this Jesus? I love C.S. Lewis said that when we encounter the teachings of Christ, we have three responses that we can have to Jesus' teaching. We can either say, um, he is a liar, and I, this, this story never happened, and I disbelieve it. 
I can say he's a crazy person who is out of his mind, or I can say he is true. And thus he is who he says he is. He is the light of the world. He is the savior of the world. He is the son of God. He is the creator. I have been through the great storm of wondering what life after this is like. And I have received the salvation and the calm of Jesus that speaks to me. You are my child. And there is a home for me forever with God. I have lived through the great storms, the daily storms of life. I have dealt with anxiety and depression. And I know the great calm that comes from the voice of faith. I know Jesus' salvation on a daily basis. I am standing here today to attest to you that Jesus is the Son of God. You might be right with me. You might be with the disciples, hearing the story of Jesus for the first time and asking, okay, who is this? And like the disciples, you have permission to take time to figure out who Jesus is. But I would do you a disservice today if I don't give you an invitation to talk to him, to have this same dialogue with God that his disciples had with him. And so I'm going to lead us in prayer, which is really just talking to God. And I want to invite you to respond to Jesus, who I believe has saved you once and for all and through every storm of your life. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we see your story. The story of you showing your power over the wind and the waves. And we see you affirming in that that you are creator. You are the savior. Our loving Father, I invite all of us to put before you the question, do you not care that I am? And fill in your own blank. Do you not care that we are? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would rise up and speak by the authority in the name of Jesus, silence to every fear that surrounds every one of us. You don't get to speak. Silence. Holy Spirit, would you replace the storms with a great calm? Would you send your voice of faith to speak, I love you. I love you so much that I sent my son to die for you. That if you would only believe in him, you would not perish. You'd have everlasting life. Holy Spirit, speak the voice of faith to each one of us. Now I speak to every one of you out there, you can keep your eyes closed, but I just want to speak to you that I want to open a conversation for you with God. If you have never trusted him him before, you haven't started walking with him before, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer and I invite you to repeat those words after me in your own heart. Jesus, I'm helpless. That's hard for me to say, Jesus, but I'm helpless. And I need you. I see that you care for me. 
would you save me once and for all? And would you save me today from what's making me afraid? I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.